Hey, 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 welcome to the Wealth and Business Podcast. On this episode, I'm so super fired up to be doing actually a live podcast with a very good friend, someone who I that inspires me a lot because in Africa, all we hear, you know, all over Nigeria is more negativity than positivity. Now, over the last couple of months, years, I've connected with this, this individual and he's one of the most African most you know he is is someone that I, I classify as one of the well-to-do property mogul property influencer someone who has actually taken Nigeria and put it on a global map in the real estate industry uh, he's an author of 13 books he's written 13 fantastic books all talking about wealth creation and wealth transfer so on this amazing episode, I am so proud to be interviewing someone that I've got massive, massive respect for uh, in the international property real estate market. So without further ado, I want to welcome a very good friend, a brother, an inspirator, a wealth strategist, Dr. Stephen Akintayo. Welcome to the show. Welcome to the Wealth and Business Podcast. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Actually, it's 37 books. <laughs> wow, 37. <laughs> no way. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> Fantastic. So to, to be here. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. Fantastic. So first of all, I think I'm going to really come into... Writing 37 books, I think I should open, the, you know, I should open this interview uh, you know, with that. How did you write... 37 books, you know, over the last, let's just approximate this to like 10 years. How did you manage to do that? Well, good question. Um, so everything, there's a strategy around it. So I'm not going to like make it look like it's something mysterious. So <laughs> I, I went for training here in the U.S. about how to write a book. And I learned um, a couple of strategies and um, that helps me in a great way. One of the strategies I use um, is to do a live show. I have over uh, 2000 videos. Hmm. So I, I go live, I teach what I want to write about. And then I have a team who transcribe it. We have, I think the guys managing my brand are about 15 or more uh, from Dubai, Nigeria. So they have another team of transcribers who transcribe those videos. And then we go into editing and um, we're able to pull it out. Uh, also, I'm able to also get the research aspect of it using PLR. Um, because a lot of time, one of the things I realize about Africans when we write books, unconsciously, it becomes a book other people all over the world cannot relate to. Because all our backstories are just you know, our own, you know, <laughs> we understand it. It's just <laughs> all about, you know, a lot of things people outside Africa can't just comprehend. Yeah. And so, but I try to get that data, you know, okay, compared to US, compared to UK, compared to Canada. So when you're reading it, I remember somebody was with one of my books on real estate and um, he was in a Dubai Metro station. And this Filipino just said, oh, can I just glance through? Only to start glancing through and refuse to release the book. I said, whatever you, you know, it costs you, I'm going to pay you, go buy another copy. So because I'm learning a lot 
about how I can invest in real estate in Philippines, right? So um, I'm able to use this strategy to be able to write books that you can relate with from anywhere in the world. In fact, on Amazon, the data shows that those who buy my book most on Amazon, not on my, on my website, I get a lot of my own people buying. But on Amazon, most of those who buy my book are not even Africans. Wow, wow, wow. Such an amazing story told right there. This is the thing. I always say this, you know what you know and what you don't know can be something that can hold a lot of people back. And again, intellectual asset is something that you anyone can really not comprehend because at the end of the day, when you teach, you learn. When you learn, you teach and it goes vice versa. And the moment you start learning and you start teaching at the same time, a lot can come out from that. Audio books can come out from that. You know, writing materials can come from that. You know, um, the most greatest speakers today actually, you know, converted the content that they have into training programs. And it just goes to show that, you know, with your wealth of knowledge, you've been able to do that. So now I, I thought I really opened the floor with that, to be honest. And I just, I was so intrigued by you writing 37 books because I know how hard it was for me to write my first book. <laughs> it took me two years to put it together, you know, and I'm currently writing two books at the same time. I'm like trying to get the strategies there, but now I've just gotten a, you know, one of the biggest coaching mentorship on how I can actually go and write more books. <laughs> so great, doctor. So Dr. Akito, you went from literally nothing to putting your name on the global stage, right? From nothing, from, you know, living in, you know, a remote part of Lagos, all right, to becoming a very wealthy, successful real estate mogul. How does that happen? Very good question. Uh, I wish we can, you know, to be honest, I wish you can just say all of that here on this one hour podcast, but it's impossible. <laughs> <laughs> it's a journey uh, that has taken years, over a decade of pumping and pushing. And so, uh, but I will share a few things uh, that has helped. I think one of them was a hunger. You know, Steve Harvey, um, no, not Les Brown, I always talk about this. Are you hungry? Yeah. Um, poverty made me hungry, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, for me, I was sharing, I did a video, uh, the last time I was in Dubai, I lodged at uh, Bujel Arab, is the world's seven star hotel. And I had to do a video in the toilet. And I said, this is the most expensive toilet I've ever used. But what was ironical was that I never saw a water closet toilet until I was 13. We used to use short put. I, I, I was born in Meduguri, it was the northern part of Nigeria. Unfortunately, it's still where there's a lot of um, um, Boko Haram, you know, war going on right there. And, and for me was, I never really even was able to say decent toilet, right? Talk less of the toilet in seven star hotel. Never mm -hmm. saw it until I was 13. So there was so much poverty that I had no choice but to be hungry for success. I just had to see, you know, something better. And it was obvious that there was something better uh, because I mean, if you're poor, you know how this work. Everybody's talking about your, your uncle that is rich, you know, so growing up, if I, it was when I grew up, I realized that those they were calling rich were not rich. They were just middle-class people. Well, yeah. those we were calling rich, like- <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. You know, we're not rich, but that was, that level, and, and today I see it happen in the lower class where P 
people are looking up to certain people and think, you know, they are rich. Meanwhile, they are not rich. They're just middle class. Uh, so for me, number one was hunger. Poverty created extreme hunger in me. I was ready to do everything. I remember sharing this with uh, somebody who was saying, how did you achieve this so early in life uh, during 10X program? I mean, when I share my story, people just go like, oh, no, no, it can't be. Are you sure? I need to Google this. I need to be sure. <laughs> this can't be. But one of the, the those I was sharing with, I, I, I was sharing how, and this is very important that we understand, that if you are at the bottom, at the bottom, like on the floor, you have nowhere else to go than to the top. Nowhere else. So in the university, I had my colleague, one day one of them was so concerned, she sat me down and said, Stephen, I'm worried. If you go this way, you are not going to make it in life. Mm. Because I'm hardly in class. I'm busy trying to do popcorn here. I'm trying to organize trade fair. And many of these businesses kept failing. I'm trying to do this. I'm trying to do So she was so worried that, okay, you're not facing school. Uh, and I remember I sat down and I said, I will never use this certificate. I came to the university so that it's on record, right? That I went to school. <laughs> Three years after we finished school, I remember she called me and said, you were right, you were right. You were... <laughs> because, because those of us who got a good grade, we're still looking for a job. I so said that time yeah. she was still looking for a job, right? You have gone to, to run your business, you're, you're employing people and, and creating wealth. So. Hunger is number one. Number two is mentorship. You know, you can't, a lot of time when we talk about mentorship, people think we're overflogging it. I, okay, let me just put it, let me say apprenticeship, right? Because to be honest, many people were not willing to mentor me and I didn't have money to pay. You know, there are two ways to get mentors. You either pay or serve. So apprenticeship was one of the, you know, strategies I was able to use. I remember uh, um, people are shocked today I run events all over the world. We're still about to have um, here in um, Atlanta, my book review. I just look at it, you know, you gave me a big suit here. So I decided to just, you know, host everybody here. No point, you know, uh, paying for any hall. It's quite big enough, yep. uh, you know. So, but people often wonder why I'm able to do events in four-star hotels, you know, uh, a lot of these big hotels. And that came from an apprenticeship program I did with a friend. Uh, he used to come to Nigeria, was based in London. And he would come to Nigeria, do events in Sheraton Hotel. I remember one time I even offered him like a, a venue that I was, was cheaper. At another time, the venue was even free and he rejected it. So why would you go and pay so much money, right, to do events in Sheraton Hotel? Like... <laughs> But I volunteered to anchor the event for him, publicize the event, and didn't charge for years. But I realized that the guy would then sell programs uh, that were not really that detailed, and people were paying a lot of money. Now, my own program, I, I was ready to give all, <laughs> like, give all the information. <laughs> and, and nobody was even willing to pay $10 for what yeah. I was teaching. This guy would just, so at some point I had to say, you know, then let me, okay, I can't use Sheraton, but let me try Protea Hotel. So I didn't organize my events as well. And, he, I, and, and I tried it as at that time, move from trying to charge $10 to $100. 
Okay? And I was shocked. We sold out. Sold out. And I didn't even use my money. We went to the hotel, guys, promised to pay, uh, you know, and then use the address, tried to do some booking. My guy kept going there because we didn't even have the money to pay for the hall. Yeah. So as soon as we, we gave an opportunity for people to get 50% discount, they pay early. So as soon as we got some people who had paid, then we were able to then use that, that uh, to secure the hall. But we went ahead to book the hall ahead of time. So I would say apprenticeship is a powerful tool. Look at somebody who is ahead of you, doing better than you. Go and serve them in one way or the other. You know, um, I'll be hosting Grand Cardon and um, in London, Dubai, and Nigeria. And we were, we're twisting things a bit. I know I was supposed to get back to you on that. So uh, myself and Gerard just agreed, we're going to start with the US, right, in Dallas uh, in July. And let's test run that and perfect that before, you know, because taking grant out of the US is a lot. And it's also costing us a lot, as you saw. So let's even perfect all that in July. Uh, and then we then move to other part. But again, to say, how are you able to get grants? It's simple. It's the same thing. I knew Grant was trying to enter the African market. He's doing very well, and he has a vision of reaching 8 billion people. He wants to come to Africa. He needs somebody to open the door. Right? So now in my own case, I'm doing two things really. I'm paying and I'm also being an apprentice. Right? Because now you're working with him to uh, uh, host him. And of course, you do a lot of the work there. But at the same time, you're still paying for that as well. Um, but that's how to get there. You, you can't just see people ahead of you and just only admire them. And only just say, oh, great guy, you know, that guy, I know him, and they take selfie and they do, it's just all about the selfie. It has to be more than that. Absolutely. You know, it has to be more than that. You have to find a way. How do I plug in? What can I do? Uh, so, those two things, I'm going to start with that, you know, because uh, there's a lot more. <laughs> fantastic. Fantastic. I really love how you've broken it down. And I read your book, you know, you actually gave me one of your book, The Billionaire Code, which I'm going to be talking about. And I'm also going to be talking about the billionaire habits, right? So you've, you talk about billion, 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 billion a lot. Now, these are numbers, you know, these are figures that we find to be quite hefty. I, I live in the UK, right? I tell people all the time, what I'm going to do when I become a millionaire, that was many years ago. And now I'm actually one. And I tell people I am one and people have doubts. Now we are here interviewing a multi-billionaire, you know, whether you want to call it in Naira, you are a multi-billionaire in Naira. We want to talk about dollars, you're there. So how does an ordinary black man from Kaduna State in the northern part of Nigeria, Meduguri, Meduguri yes, Meduguri, in Nigeria, all right? And from Maduguri to Lagos, from Lagos to the global stage, how did you, obviously the hunger was there for you to want to be more. The hunger was there for you want to be successful. The hunger was there for you to say you want to transform not just the life of your immediate family, which is your wife, your kids, but generations after generation and obviously transferring that wealth. You know, there's something I read in your book. You said, if 
you talked about environment in your book and you said, if my environment, if your environment becomes too comfortable for you, and you make an example where you said, at a point in your book, you said, every time you came back home, the Okada rider, the taxi driver knew who you were. You know, they came, they, 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 they ran home to tell your wife that you are around. All right. And your environment had to change you. And you had to tell your wife, I'm moving, let's move. You see, and there's something I've noticed about successful people. I do a lot myself. I'm always moving. In the last four years, I've moved three times to different houses and different cities. Not really different cities in terms of massive cities, but different postcodes in the UK. So you spoke about environment. Environment was quite something that was vital for you. So for someone from Meduguri to Lagos, now to the global stage, now dominating the real estate industry, the business coaching industry, and shaking the entire industry and, you know, connecting with the likes of the heaviest in Africa, you know, Koshchari, Dangote, you name it, you've shook hands with them. And you are also the international market. So right now, how did you literally make those transition because those are transition doesn't that doesn't happen happen all the time you said serve fantastic great a lot of people serve they serve with doubts you said you said mentorship a lot of people get mentored but they're not coachable all right a lot of people are excited by information rather than consuming information and finally a lot of people are entertained by educational material rather than putting those educational material to use so i really want you to deep dive into how that transition just happens. It's been a decade and just a decade over. How did that transition really happen? Well, th thank you very much for that. Uh, for me is, I, I, I feel it's more than, it wasn't like a, um, a one strategy. And I think we have to be honest with people because a lot of times, when we talk like this, people think there's this magic wand, you know, you just can swipe it and overnight you're there. But that's not true. It took years. Yes. Um, and years and years and years. So I, I would like to say maybe consistency is a key uh, factor that has helped me, right? I was just not ready to get a no for an answer. I wasn't just ready to quit. I wasn't just ready to... Uh, um, for it to just be like that. I remember first time I attempted hosting Grand Cardone. I, I sent, uh, I just shoot a message on Instagram, right? And I was shocked. I got a like, you know, I like, oh, I do this. It was during COVID. I do this um, um, live show. I like to host you. And it was like, when? And all of those kind of stuff. And then I did the banner. And he liked it. You know, there was that, okay, we're going to do this. Only for, the, if I, up to the day of the show, I even give me your email, they gave me an email to send the whole thing to, I did all that. And the guy didn't show up. So, <laughs> okay. But I didn't leave it at that. I was like, oh, somebody else will just be offended. Like, what, 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 what the hell is this? Why will, no, I, I just saw like, you know what? You know, I'm not big enough, and I'm going to be big enough to make it happen. So, of course, I still followed through later again. I want to have you. At that point, they gave me a bill, right? You know, it was huge. I eventually paid $50,000 to host him virtually. And I paid, and he came, and it was great. So, for me, is 
and I think it's very important that we understand that, that you just have to be consistent. You're gonna get love, no. No means next opportunity. You're gonna get a lot of people. It doesn't mean they hate you. Uh, you have to live with love. Uh, a lot on your way from that low ground, just keep moving. And yeah, there'll, there'll be people who doubt you, like you are saying, uh, and there'll be people who doubt you. I think what I just started changing the game, even today, we had to say to our, my construction team, as sometimes when people ask me, how many staff do you have? I said, well, about 300 administrative staff are over 100. It looks like this guy is talking, you know, where? Yeah. So yeah. I, I had to tell my construction team, I said, you know what? Let's start going live every day and let people see what you guys are doing. Because sometimes as well, um, you know, if you don't push out what you're doing, how much work you're doing, People don't know. So they can't really value and appreciate what you're doing. So when life today, you know, show different sites, we showed almost uh, seven different sites that there's work going on, cons you know, consecutive, like simultaneously, right? One, we've already done one kilometer road. The entire place is waterlogged. We did external road of one kilometer, some feeling, one kilometer. Right, and people were seeing trips of sand coming in, and you know the 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 sand cost. We had to explain to them they've dropped three hundred so far. It was thirty five thousand because of the fuel scarcity in Nigeria. Jumped from thirty five thousand to fifty thousand naira, and they've just dropped three hundred, another five hundred to go. Now, if you don't show that, people won't appreciate that. You show another place, you know, screening going on. Uh, in, you know, some units of buildings we're doing, showed a showroom in our Banana Island uh, office. So, and I could see people comment and say, wow, wow. Even the community impact, because the external road is not your estate alone using it. It's for other people as well. And, but if we didn't show that, right, people wouldn't appreciate that. So for me, what I had to do uh, in terms of people doubting you was to gradually show what we're doing. Results terminates insult. Absolutely. Right? The more you can show what you're doing, the more people begin to say, okay, maybe, 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 right? Maybe. For example, Grant always talk about this, oh, we've done two billion worth of real estate. If not for the fact that now, 10X conference, that you could see him sell out a whole stadium, uh, you could see, and then this time around brought a whole donut truck. Like, who, <laughs> will you doubt who brings a donut truck? <laughs> like, you need to see uh, the uh, uh, sec uh, secret service. The entire place, it was like you're in a military zone. They were scanning, they were, I mean. <laughs> so, um, I've learned a lot uh, from Grant about how to show uh, what you're doing, and because that's powerful. In fact, somebody did something very emotional. I had to thank him. I, I hope to see him when I get to Nigeria. He noticed that one of our estates um, is a story building, uh, and they were using a wooden uh, scaffold, right? And literally got his own iron scaffold and gave it, and I'm not talking of one, 64 different iron scaffold, 
right? <laughs> you know, I mean, he knew we're profit business, we're not charity, but gave us all that for free. And that's the benefit of showing. Sometimes you may be vulnerable as well because you're showing, right? But it also has a lot of goodwill, but the secret is just hanging there. Keep doing it, keep doing it. It may take 10 years, it may take 20 years. Um, I don't know that you heard this because you watch virtually. Grant talked about how pissed off he was. His business was worth $300 million and he went to Goldman Sachs, right? And Goldman Sachs guys were not going to listen to him. They were literally not listening to him. You know, like you're in a meeting and people are like touching their phone and like you could see that they are not paying attention. And at the end of the day, oh, you know, we're going to get back to you. He said he was so pissed off. And, and the pharmacy of Goldman Sachs, because he was interviewing the guy, like, you know, reporting his boys to him. He said, yeah. oh, no, they did that to you? Oh, that's bad. Oh, but they motivated you, right? Yeah. <laughs> you, you won't be worth $5 billion now if they didn't do that to you. So you keep doing it. Uh, you're going to get there. Absolutely. And there's one thing that I've learned in my journey as well, you know, having been able to consume the same, you know, grants content, it says the best form of, the best form of revenge is aggressive action. And there's something I've come to really learn on this road to becoming successful. You know, you've, 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 you've spoken a lot about showing up consistency, action, 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 you know, and just getting through to becoming success. You see, it takes an overnight, of, it, it, people, people see the overnight miracle, people see the overnight success, but what people don't really see is the behind the scene, like you mentioned, right now your team is basically showing people what you're doing in all your multiple construction, you know, you know, sites, estates, where you're building properties every single day. Now, we talk about Nigeria a lot. Now, how did you basically now, you grew up in Nigeria. You built a multi-billion Naira property uh, estate company in Nigeria. How then did you just wake up to now take the same situation, buy land? You're about to build a multi-purpose story building in Dubai, and you bought another one. Actually, you're actually creating a city in Dubai, <laughs> right? You're creating a city in Dubai, not actually a building now. So let's talk about that again. I, I want to relate this back to the ordinary Stephen Akintayo before becoming a doctor, before becoming a billionaire, before becoming a key person of influence, because, before becoming Africa's most, most influential real estate mogul. All right. So how did you just chose to go and build a city in Dubai? Well, beautiful and good question. Uh, um, so I, 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 I think... As we started growing, I also realized that we're, we're vulnerable with the NARA uh, situation in Nigeria. And if all you're earning is just in NARA, you, you really, and because of all that we're putting in, uh, in the next 15 years, we're putting in $20 billion in the construction, uh, in building 200 estates, infrastructure, road, golf course, and all of that in Nigeria. Now, if you're going to do all of that, it will be risky. Over, I mean, it will be more than risky to put all that in Nigeria Naira because a, lot, a huge part of that money 
uh, that $20 billion will come from outside Nigeria. And if all your portfolio is just only in Nigeria, if anything happened, you're in trouble. So I, I realized that even before I start taking investment, I mean, I think from next year, from what we're working on, from next year, we'll start taking foreign investment. I'm talking about guys who bring in $10 million, you know, $20 million, $100 million one time into our business. We, you know, we're structuring to be able to take that. But even before doing that, I felt like, you know what? It's important to quickly, right, uh, diversify outside Nigeria, you know, do something in Dubai, do something in London, do something in the U.S. We're about to start really expanding very well in, in the U.S., which is also why the partnership with Grant has become very uh, uh, key for us. And in fact, uh, um, <clears throat> I had a meeting this weekend during 10X with a, a, a company, a real estate company that is worth over $5 billion. And we're going to be the first to bring them to Nigeria. We're literally going to be handling their franchise in Nigeria and the rest of Africa. You know, so we've initiated the meeting with the team and all of that. So I already know that it's wisdom, right? To, to just expand internationally. And I, that doesn't change the dream. The goal is still our biggest asset will still be Nigeria. We have to do that for the motherland. And the truth remains that the highest return on investment is still in Nigeria. I mean, all the kind of money they're doing here in the Grand Cardon and team are doing here in the US, you know, it's not compared in terms of profit uh, to what you can do in Nigeria. Literally, it's in Nigeria that you can buy a property for a million dollars and in one year it's, it's worth $2.5 million. Now, there's nowhere in the world that happens. I mean, that's insane. Right, that, <laughs> you're right, absolutely. I mean, you you do real estate in the UK. That can't happen. Like there is no miracle that's going to make that happen in the UK. Okay, but that happens in Nigeria. Okay, so um, the the profit margin in Nigeria can be compared, but for stability, right? So that in in time of crisis, in times of recession, and all of that, you still have something in FX. Uh, that's why we decided to expand. That's one. Two is also that I, I, as, as I started um, expanding uh, our, our business, I used to come here to the UK, to the US for vacation. A lot of people even know how my training got international. So I, I'm going to, I usually stay in Marriott. So people start calling me like, oh no, why would you stay in Marriott? Some will even offer to host me in their house for free. I say, no. Right, you know, sometimes, you know, when I'm here, uh, I because I don't drive in Nigeria, so I have a driver and all of that. You know how in the Western world, I mean, you guys are suffering because you can't have your own, <laughs> you have your own driver. You can't have drivers, you can't have your own mate, nothing. <laughs> so, but you know how we have all of that. Oh, come on, <laughs> tell me about it, I know that. <laughs> so when I come here, obviously I charter a taxi, uh, I, you know, and then when, how much did it cost you? I said, you know, hundred pounds from Heathrow to my, ah, no, and I'm like, why are you guys shouting too much? <laughs> if you had told me, I'll come pick you in my car, you know? <laughs> so I, is then they that started opening up. Apparently they don't see Nigerians like that. Average Nigerian is already worried because it's changing a hundred pounds to Naira 
And he's like, no. So this has, what do you do? Because we live here and we can't afford the things you're able to afford. And, and so at that point, I started realizing, I come to hotels like this, even in this hotel, the guy opening the door is an African. He's the security guy, the janitor. The, and then when you now ask, you're angry, I'll see your manager. Then you see the white dude comes out, you know. And I'm like, no, something is wrong here. Absolutely. Right? And this will continue as long as they are not Black-owned businesses. Now, yep. mind you, I have no problem with uh, that a business is employing a white person. That's what I'm saying. In fact, in Dubai, you know, the new branch manager is from Pakistan. We have somebody from Filipino. We have non-Africans who work with me. And if I probably have, uh, 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 even the UK admin now is, is, is a British. Um, here in the US as well, we're having a lot of, you know, white people. But I want to see it owned as well by by black people. I want to see black owned businesses. You know, you, 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 you know, funny enough, you say that. And I just talk quickly into Jet. Sorry to cut you short on that one. I am someone that, you know, I lost everything in Nigeria in 2015, and I became a delivery driver in 2016, and I became an Uber driver. I drove taxis. So apparently, maybe one of those days, if I had met you, I would have been a taxi driver who took you to the airport or brought you back from the airport. So I literally, those were the kind of jobs. When I first came into this country in the UK uh, in 2004, it's the people I came to meet, you know, in the UK, the only job I could be introduced to was cleaning, linear jobs. At some point, in my journey, you know, I I was the guy, that, I don't know if you've ever been to a nightclub and you see a guy who sprays people perfume, the guy who cleans the toilet when people are using it actively. Those are my story, you know, and it's like today I'm an advocate and I'm an influencer promoting wealth creation, black wealth creation too, because you don't get to really, uh, let's, let's be very honest, right? You don't really get to see a lot of black successful entrepreneurs in the global stages like that. That is the truth because of the, the way we come into the country. First, we're illegal immigrants and you name it. So, and this is what needs to change. There needs to be a wealth transfer. You know, there needs to be a reorientation, you know, and, I, and this is one thing I love about something you said as well, because normally when I bring my guests on stage to, to chat with them, I do a little bit of digging. And there's something you said whilst you was in the tennis conference. You says the African people, the black people, the Nigerian people, in fact, the entire African at large. If Davido was to be doing a concert yeah. at the O2, the O2 will sell out. All right. But if Stephen Akintayo, doctor, and Daniel Moses, doctor, is presenting on real estate, yeah. presenting on how people can become wealthy, there are three things that people are going to say. One is a scam. Two, it doesn't work. If it's working enough, why are they selling the product? And look at this entire building that I'm in now. It's completely sold out, and you can count the number of black people in that room. And you you ask the question: When will Africa? When will Africa? When will Africa or black people wake up to financial education? And that touched me, and I'm like, exactly. I said, I can't wait to really have you on the pod because it's possible for ordinary people to transition to global stages. It's possible for ordinary people 
to change from nothing to becoming something. And you are a typical example from Lagos to the global stage and doing what you're doing now. So again, kudos to you, Dr. Steven. Massive, massive kudos to you on the great work that you're doing. And, and, and I'm so gra- grateful that we've obviously met, we've had a child, you know, there's a lot ahead of us and I'm sure, you know, you know, coming together. And again, one thing they say, collaboration is the biggest and the largest currency. And yes, bringing me back to that, this is the problem. Africans, black needs to wake up to financial education so that we don't become slave to money rather than to use money to create assets because money is just a piece of paper. You and I will agree on that same view. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Uh, I, and I agree with you absolutely. I, I think that we, uh, but one of the things I also feel is our problem is fear. You know, um, I, I, I remember while I was just talking about we're trying to raise $20 billion, somebody was just posting on, because we're streaming this on my page as well. And people oh, fantastic. Well. And someone was just asking me, uh, was just posting, I just saw a comment of somebody say, oh, be careful, careful of social person. Are you registered with X, Y, Z, right? <laughs> okay. And I think fear is also one of the biggest problems, right? Because sometimes we see entrepreneurs go through tough time. And uh, rather than I'll say, what were the mistakes? What are the lessons? Let's even go and meet the entrepreneur, even learn what he did wrong. And so that we don't make that mistake. Instead, with that, we now start spreading fear. Oh, be careful of this. Don't fail like this. Listen, failure is good. Failure is the pathway to success. Yeah. Nobody ever become great without failing. And unfortunately, my biggest frustration in the way Africa is structured is that we don't have a provision for comeback for entrepreneurs. Yeah. Uh, the day I met Damien Jern, you know, uh, you know, during his book launch in Florida. And, you know, if I did an endorsement video for me and all of that, I'm grateful to him as well. Uh, his endorsement is even on the billionaire code. And one of the things he was sharing was how he went bankrupt four times, four, before now, before the, the FUBU and the Demenjian were saying today, four times. Now, what structure have you put together for companies to go bankrupt in Nigeria, in Ghana, in Sierra Leone, in Kenya, and still be able to come back without demonizing them, without everybody going on social media and say, the guy's the devil, the guy's this. And, and it's important that sometimes, and I want to encourage everybody watching this, look at yourself if you're an entrepreneur, and I don't care what anybody has said, and tell yourself, I don't try. Right? Some of you are not African. Just repeat it after me. I don't try. Okay? It means you have tried. <laughs> Come on, preach. Preach, Dr. Sidney. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, you know, the, the journey to success is never an easy one. And I say this all the time to a lot of my students. I always say, you know, becoming successful. In fact, the day you become successful, right, the day you chose to be slaughtered, the day you, you chose to be killed, the day you chose to be, you know, stones thrown at you. And, you know, the day you become very volatile, all right? And because that's the journey of entrepreneurship. And entrepreneurs don't become successful entrepreneurs without taking risk, all right? And without that risk also sometimes backfiring as well. 
And if you go and study the most successful people, every single successful people that I read about, all right, was at the brink of literally, you know, completely going through a disastrous situation and then came back stronger. And Grant, even for example, will tell you 10x book that has become one of the most read book across the globe by entrepreneurs and business owners was written during the recession and was written during the time where basically he thought it's all over. He's going to die. And that book today has become a movement across the globe. And we can go on and on about different top, you know, different, different top speakers, top, top coaches across the globe. Success is multiplication of failures. Greatness is multiplication of failures. And again, this is one thing I love about your book. And you said one of the greatest codes to becoming successful is people. Now, I'd like you to really touch a little bit on this, you know, because it's a great book. I've not finished it. I'm currently in chapter number, I think I'm currently in chapter number four or so. And it, it, I've been intrigued by, by a book that has been, I mean, in my journey of getting started to becoming who I am as a key person of influence here in the UK market, is being that English was not my first language. In fact, to even speak how I speak today, I had to get a property. I had to get a, a coach to teach me how to how to speak properly, a, a eliminate most of the you know Nigerian pattern of speaking to get to where I am. So, and for me to read your book, and I actually go in front of me, and I it's been because my my journey. I said to me like they say, if you want to become a billionaire, find four to become. And I met one billionaire. His name is John Mallott, and we're very close friend. And you're my second billionaire that I know now. And I looked at her, I said, you know, I'm actually getting there. Actually, I'm not thinking about being a multimillionaire because I am on that part already. I'm close to calling myself in, you know, in, you know, 10 figures, eight figures, you know, you know, millionaire. And just to see that this code that you've written, that actually anyone can take the blueprint, the blueprint of this book actually move mountains, changes the life. So guys, for any one of you listening to the podcast right now, make sure you go and, you know, go to Dr. Stephen Akinta's website to grab a copy of this book. This book is an absolute, there's no word to even describe it. It's, it's an absolute wealth code. All right. And go and grab it. So bringing, bringing me back to that and talk about people. You said billionaires become billionaires because one thing they invest in is people. So do you want to kind of dip into this a little bit? Yeah, um, thank you for that. One of the studies I did was about lion. You know, a lot of times, uh, you know, people wonder why lion is called the king of the jungle. Mm -hmm. uh, lion is certainly not the strongest. I used to think lion was the strongest. It's not the biggest. It's not, um, even the seat of the lion is not the sharpest, right? Mm -hmm. um, so why? But, and I realized that it's called the lion pride, right? Mm. Um, it's one of the few animals that move together. You hardly find a single lion, hardly, right? It moves as a team. Uh, and, and that's the biggest strength of the lion. It's a pride. They move together. In fact, sometimes you will see, you know, two alpha male lions living together. That's weird. That's rare. A lot of, uh, even to little animals that are not near lion, you hardly can find two alphas together. 
Is it a male and a female? But you can't find two, you know, male lions together. And so being able to leverage on the power of the collective has helped the lion to be the king of the jungle. The same thing in the marketplace. If you're going to dominate the marketplace, if you're going to lead and head and, and, and run things, you have to certainly wow. work with people. You have to build your own pride. You have to build your own team. Yep. One of the things I'm doing right now is a lot of guys who look up to me who are doing uh, uh, um, already 10 figures, you, yep. know, you know, in millions. Um, it was, by the way, meeting you and, uh, uh, and, you know, inviting you for breakfast was not a mistake. It's intentional because, mm. you know, it's part of my new strategies now to say, look for guys who are, you know, doing well and easily can just move to that billion level easily yep. and bring them closer and begin to do things with them. As long as they are humble and, and they're willing to, you know, to pull in their own weight as well so that it's not a parasitic relationship. Absolutely. You know, bring them together, get them on board and stuff because I'm realizing that as much as, and I saw my pastor do this as well, as much as I'm working hard on my, my team, those who work with my company full-time, I actually need to create like a part-time role for some guys who are in that level so that they can almost experiment. So my pastor, for example, has guys who are on his board of regent for Covenant University, right? Meanwhile, they are about to start their own university. Did you see? So if you are at the decision-making level, for an existing university, you see how easier it is for you to then do yours. In fact, one of my pastor's mentee, you know, he had to send his team to go and study their own primary school because it's better than his own, which is what mentorship is supposed to be. Absolutely. Like, like you know, so for me is, I think everybody, and I'm glad you're doing that as well. I, I noticed a lot of your guys followed me. Uh, on Instagram when you did a uh, post of our picture, uh, we need to, particularly in our culture, what we do best, unfortunately, is to create a gossip cell, right? Mm. Instead of a wealth cell, mm. right? So you, you see, oh, who is he? Oh, uh, David, Moses, <laughs> don't mind them. You know, he started all those. I know him back in the days. That guy, he used to drive Uber. Now he call himself millionaire. They're deceiving you. Don't mind them. Yeah, naysayers. That's a gossip sale. Naysayers. And, and all my life, I've met with billionaires in dollars. I'm yet to meet one that is a gossiper. One. Like, they, they, they just don't have the time. They just don't have the time. What you rather see is a team, a team of web guys. Somebody saying, oh, I was motivated by this guy. And now I may not be at this level, but I'm here. Yeah. I would, you know, and, and for me, I think that's one of the things we need to take seriously. Two poor people cannot help themselves. Never. One must first get to the top before he throws the rope to help the other. And that's one of the things I share in the book. Two poor people can't help themselves. Wealth is primarily a function of your network. People equals money, period. Period. There's just no two ways about it. You know, I, I mean, 
during the 10x event, I mean, Grant is such a phenomenal human being, right? At the end of the event, you know, uh, his last speech, yes. he started counting. You know, I don't know whether you saw that part. I watched oh, it, yeah, I did. You know, we sold X number of this. Almost as if to dare you, like... <laughs> 35, okay. million, 35 million sold in sales. Yeah! Like... <laughs> in three days. <laughs> you know. Now, there's something else. There's something else you also said in your book. You said yeah. relationship, right? You said relationship is, you know, it, it, it should be intentional. It should mm -hmm. be beneficial. should mm -hmm. be oriented. should be yeah. visionary, yeah. honest, and positive. Yes. Yes. As part of the code of the billionaire code. Yes. So do you want to dip into that as well? Because a lot of people have relationships, but they don't understand the intention. A lot of people understand relationship. They say, oh, no, I'm not going to share the vision because mm -hmm. they're going to steal my vision. Nah. Now, that's because you're playing too low and playing too small. Yeah, absolutely. So, I, I, yeah, I agree dip into this, I, I agree with you. I have a vision of between now and the year 2035, I'm building 200 estates that is going to have infrastructure, renewable energy, electricity, um, tarred road, every modern facility. And then I would personally build in that estate 25,000 homes. Of course, other people who bought land are going to build there. So we're looking at over 100,000 homes between now and the year 2035. That's 15 years from now. Now, why am I saying it publicly? If you think you can do it as well, go there. It's, I mean, you, you, you know... It's not easy to do. <laughs> so, and if you get there before me, good luck. Like, why not? <laughs> so I, I agree with you that it's thinking small that makes you afraid of sharing your vision. And you have to share it. If you don't share it, people can't rally around it. They can't. You can't even attract the right set of people to rally around the vision if you don't say it. So you have to say it. And you have to be willing to be laughed at, to be scorned, for people to say, you, you're mad. I mean, don't, that's part of what Donald Trump was talking about, you know, about how he was so intentional about everything he did. Um, he, you know, he said in LaGuardia Airport, he intentional, all other billionaires who are private jets were going to pack it, you know, in the hangar. He decided not to pack his own jets. The same way you're saying, Delta Airlines, I want you to be seen Trump, and he put it Trump, <laughs> big. Yeah. So it, for him, that was intentional. He was marketing the Trump business, right? I'm packing it and said, go see it, see it there. And so many of us don't understand how important it is to shout the vision, talk the vision. Uh, make noise about the vision, be intentional. But more importantly, when we get into relationship, be honest. Let people know why you're trying to get close to them. Many of us don't do that. You have to let them know. You have to let them know. If it's that you want to mentor them, let them know. If it's that you want them to mentor you, let them know. Don't play games. I want to know why you're coming around me. It's important. I, and I think we don't do that in our community. Uh, um, you, you see people just come around you. They don't say their intentions. And at the end of the day, we feel hot because you're not claim, I did this for him. I did that for him. Uh, now, did you tell him from day one, this is what I want from you? 
And this is what I'm willing to give in exchange so that we can see if both of us actually can do both, right? So I, I remember, I, 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 I was so grateful. I was in the university. I was shocked. I mean, it was the first time it was happening to me. And this lady, I got close to her because she was the best student in our class. In fact, she eventually graduated as the best. And I was getting, uh, you know, pass because I, of course I was busy trying to learn business, run business, I was in class. And, and so I was getting close to her to learn how, you know, she was always in class, she knows the book. So I want to learn, I want to do tutorials. And thank God she did that because probably both of us will have messed our lives up. And so I get it, I started getting closer. You know, when is lecture? Give me dates. Uh, can I come? Can we do tutorial? And then one day I was even with my friend. She looked at me and said, you know, I don't feel like telling you. Or maybe I should tell you. Say, say it. Say you have a, a blue eye. I, said, <laughs> I, I, I am blue. It's as black. It's black. As black. <laughs> black. <laughs> So obviously I get it that something was going on here. So after my friend left, I had to call her. I said, what, what's going on here? And she, she opened and said, I'm sexually attracted to you. I said, oh, I'm sorry. That's not why I got close to you. I want to, I'm, I'm failing. I need to learn. And do you know, till date, we never had any form of sexual interaction. And she still went ahead to help me out. And I started getting B's and A's because both of us had the conversation. This is what I'm, I need. This is what you need. And right there, she could say, hey, no, I'm not sure. I'm willing to continue the, you know, the tutorial with you because I, I'm, that's not what I want. But because we opened our eyes and said, look, I'm not interested in that part. You, are, you, you even told me you're in a relationship. I'm not sure, but I want to learn. And we had a good, today we had a good relationship. So we need to do more of that as well. And I think people don't do that to rich people. When people see that you're wealthy, they start coming around you, right? And they are not specific. Do you want my money? Do you want me to dash you money? Hmm. Or do you want to learn how I made it? Do you want a job? Do you want, I mean, you need to be explicit. Now it's up to the person. And by the way, if the person say no, no, remember, means less opportunity is okay. It's okay. I've gotten so many no's. But be open up front. Be upfront about it. This is what I need. This is what I'm looking for. There was a, a, a lady, Stormy Daniel, I mean, Stormy, Coach Stormy is her name, Stormy Wellington, at the 10X event. And she said, very funny story. She said, she, she looked, while she started coming for 10X, she was asking herself, how do I make, how do I get the attention of Grant? Because I definitely need this relationship in my life. Absolutely. You know, and at some point she said, you know what? People invest in Cardone Capital. I'm going to go get $5 million. I could do other things without money. And she went to the Cardone office and she said, got the check. Hey, here's, here's going, that's my $5 million check. I know, and you know what? She, she told him, she said, I know that's what you want. Here's your $5 million. <laughs> now she got his attention. Of course, he hosted her on his platform. I mean, they've been doing a lot of stuff together. The wife hosted her. And, but that's because Grant made people to know that, look, this is no joke. You want to come around me, you better pay. Now, I'm not going to give you attention just because you're needing help. Or because I like you. 
<laughs> because I like you. I have a value to offer you. You have to pay and you have to value paying. And because he made that clear, it was easy for me to spend over $100,000 with him last year as well. And this year we spent over a million dollars, right? Make your intention known. And the other way around, I have made my intention known to his guys. There was a day they told me, oh, you can join Grant in his uh, um, chopper. You know, you guys are going to go. I said, look, I'm not interested in chopper with Grant or in PJ with Grant. I'm about getting my own PJ as well. Okay? I want to know what the guy knows. Exactly. Right? It's not about going to have fun. I want to know what he knows. So what I want is a partnership. It's a partnership. Right? That's what I want. Not some just going to have drinks. And guess what? If I get partnership, I will still get that and more. Absolutely. Right? Um, by the way, part of the deal I'm having with him, Grant is going to be visiting my estate in Nigeria. Right? And oh boy, that is big. That is big. And I'm going to be there live. <laughs> <laughs> I'm you know, going to so, be there live. And, and that's partnership. But you have to let people know what you want and be willing to listen to what they want in exchange. And if they say no, respect their opinion. Absolutely. Wow, 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 wow. Your wealth of knowledge has been so powerful. Like you, like you said at the beginning of this podcast, you said we, we don't even know if we're going to have a massive chat. We're going to be here for the whole day, two, three days, five days. We're not going to go anywhere. But again, guys, this has just been a taster for the many things that's going to be coming in. Uh, I'm, I'm very sure a doctor here would be you know, will be. it's not going to be the last episode. It's going to be multiple episodes and fingers crossed we're going to be working and doing some stuff together. And uh, you guys are going to hear more of not the million dollar code now or the million pound code. And we're talking about the billion dollar, the billion pound code. This is an individual that has transitioned as an honorary person, not just transitioning uh, into becoming a successful you know, property mogul, a successful property investor, business mogul, and someone who is not taking the center stage of the globe to share his journey, influence a lot of people in creating a mindset for wealth success. And more, he's doing a lot more. He's just doing a lot more. I don't like, I can't go deep enough to, to share what this amazing individual is doing. So fingers crossed, we're going to be doing a lot more with Dr. Steven here. And, uh, you know, who knows? I think I might just use this privilege to ask you for an open partnership. And I'm sure you wouldn't say no. <laughs> <laughs> I love for us to do a lot. I, I believe I love what you're doing. I'm, I'm inspired because you reminded me of a young man as well that I met in the U.S. And um, his name is Deep White Sino. Uh, and I was telling him, I said, I've been coming to the U.S. for years. I've never seen somebody that has your mindset, mm. you know, and is from Nigeria and is based in the U.S., right? And, 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 and we've done a lot together. Uh, I mean, he, he did a short video. I don't know if you saw it on my page where he was talking about his relationship with me, how that just changed everything from, for him. Uh, from there, he wrote his first book. From there, he got you know, because we did a training together and some people invested in his business and that has led to a whole lot more, uh, you know, from just our relationship together. And for me, it's, it's about the fact that, you know, what has been missing 
in the African community has been that we have not come together to build wealth. We've not- Never, it's impossible. It's just been impossible. It's right? been so, so close, impossible. Yeah, we've not been able to create community for wealth. And I think that is about to change with the movement we're creating. Mm. And um, I look at, you know, there's a gentleman in Nigeria, I'm not gonna mention his name, who had an investment program and was able to pause, he paused the payment of the investment for a while and uh, had some issues with regulators. And I know how everybody's on his neck and people saying so many negative things about him. The business is still standing, his clients are there, the staff are there, but you need to see the negativity from the same people who used to hail him and praise him. And I, like I said again, it's because there's no lion pride in our yeah. businesses. Yeah. Right. Grant had the same problem, if you remember. Grant had the same problem uh, where uh, during COVID, where he paused the payment of uh, you know returns to people in in the uh, program. But if you remember that period, there were a lot of people came out for Grant. A lot of people were there, um, you know, for him, and it didn't really affect his brand in any way. Even bigger people see showed up for him were at his events. Uh, but if that has happened in Nigeria, you know what I'm talking about. Everybody's just literally going to, you know, just going to shut you out. Even your colleagues in the business industry who understand how tough the industry is are literally going to shut you out. Okay? And I think that needs to change. I'm, in fact, from this podcast, I intend to do a video and probably even mention the names of people who are going through challenges uh, investment challenges in Nigeria to reach out to me. I'm going to see how I can help them. I don't have money to give them, but in terms of advisory strategy uh, and, and be willing to, to identify with them. We need to support ourselves. We need to. And, and I think those of us who have good name, good reputation need to also speak out. Absolutely. Right? For people who are struggling because um, we know it's not easy. Those of us standing is not because uh, maybe we're just that special. We might be, have been privileged to have gotten mentors who just uh, helped us more and yep. helped us to look out for what to avoid. Uh, but we have to protect the business community if we want to end unemployment in Africa, if we want to build wealth, and we have to support each other. So yes, I'm willing to work with you uh, in any way I can, absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Dr. Stephen, for, for that great um, uh, feedback there. Now, just before we go, Dr. Stephen, it's something I really want us to touch, touch, you know, you know, really, it's something that has been hefty in my heart. Now, the Nigerian entertainment industry has become one of the biggest, fastest growing industry across the entire globe. In fact, Afrobeat. All right. Now, Nigerian has also created a, 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 you know, a decent amount of entrepreneurs. Like the eastern part of Nigeria is known to be the China of Africa, the Igbos. But yet, when you mention Nigeria and when you have a green passport traveling from any part of the world, the first thing that we're stigmatized with, one, corruption, two, 419, and the list can go on and on. Now, how do leaders like yourself, how do leaders, you know, I haven't been home for six years, 
<laughs> so I wouldn't, in fact, I'm a stranger in my own country now. But how does leaders like you and many more, the likes of the Tony Zalimalu, Cosmos Koschari's, the Dangote's, the Femi Otedolas, and you name them, all these multi-billionaires, how do we literally take a global stage to wealth education to the ordinary doorstep of the average Nigerian through media, through influencing and so on? Very beautiful question. Um, <clears throat> you know, I, I feel that is, is, there's a journey of liberation about to happen to Africa. Uh, first of all, if you notice right now, our music is going global. Uh, everybody knows our music, white, black, uh, Latino, everybody's playing our music. I was in Israel um, with my wife in 2019, just before the COVID. And uh, you know, in one of the, I think that was Jericho or somewhere. And we were just passing because it was like a pilgrimage. And it, one of the guys was asking, it was an Arab, like, where are you guys from? Where are you guys from? You know, I said, Nigeria, I said, Peace Square? Peace Square? Banner Boy? And he started playing those music right there, <laughs> right there. So our music has gone global and, and, and that's good news. I think what we need to do is to tap into that and to then teach wealth creation. So the next phase for me is like the event I'm about to do in July with Grant. I intend to bring the video actually. I intend to bring, you know, AY comedian. Um, yeah, and, and spin that comedy into wealth creation conversation. And, and literally they're not coming to sing as it were. Um, we're going to have some after party as well, like a VIP party and all that. Um, but the core of why I'm having them to come is David O, your dad is wealthy. He just gave you a property in Banana Island. You just moved to this property. How are you investing in wealth? You were said to make the highest money last year. You did over 200 million. Is it 3 billion he said he did in sales last yep. year? How are you able to do that? You know, we need to begin to see beyond this shiny, shiny syndrome mm. to the science behind businesses, to the, you know, um, AY comedian was in my Banana Island office. I know because of my book, he was like, ah, one day I want to be a billionaire. I said, come on, come on, don't play that game on me. You and I know you're already a billionaire. We know this things. You guys <laughs> come on social media and, you know, you have that pious, like, oh, we your boy. And comedians do that. A lot of these comedians are stinkingly wealthy. Absolutely. As much as they come do. And sometimes, because they do all these we your boys, people don't even understand the business behind those industries. And, and it makes it difficult for a lot of people to tap into that. So I'm hoping that uh, during the, we're changing the name to Global Wealth Conference, uh, uh, I mean, Wealth Festival, Global Wealth Festival. I'm hoping that we're able to uh, leverage on that um, during that. And, and I, I look forward to really having something very unique, mixing wealth creation conversation with entertainment. And I think once that starts happening, we will start having wealthy guys who will come into the scene. And what will change the narrative for us as Nigerians? Uh, and it did for a while in Dubai, uh, for, you know, until recently, and, and hopefully we can change that again. 
There was a time when if you are from Nigeria and you're coming to Dubai, you are respected. You know why? Most of the owners of the properties in Dubai are Nigerians. A lot of, not all, but yeah. a good number of properties in Dubai are owned by Nigerians. So they, they kind of had this eye on some cult guys, you know, entered Dubai, started killing people. And we could do that across the globe where we start owning real estate. We start owning stuff. Uh, when uh, I think it was somebody was sharing the story, he was traveling and the guy at the counter was even, no, the guy checking people's uh, passport was even a, a black, but he saw him coming to the uh, um, first class section. And because he was black, he immediately said, no, 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 go, that's economy. So he walked closer and said, it's first class. Is it because I'm black? Right? Of course, the guy started apologizing. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm, you know, I'm sorry. I'm really sorry. So, yeah, be sorry, but listen, not all blacks are poor, you know, and, and you, <laughs> I just checked it. But that's how you start ending. And I said it in my book if we're going to end racism, stereotypes, stigmatization, we have to end poverty among black people. Absolutely. I totally agree. Wow, wow, wow. Dr. Stephen, it's been a mind-blowing part one. I think we're going to labor this part one interview on the Wealth and Business Podcast, and we're going to be doing a lot more. So it's been an amazing, amazing chat with yourself. I really enjoyed the conversation. And, and this will also surprise you. You're the very first African Nigerian that has been interviewed on this platform. Uh, <laughs> and also you're the second billionaire that I've been, you know, been able to have a chat with. The first was John Mallott, and uh, who is a massive, massive um, uh, networking, you know, market guru in America. And you're the second, you know, in the property space of which again is a space I'm currently in the UK. And we've also the mindsets of taking a global stage in the property real industry. Um, so it's been an amazing chat with yourself. You shared a kind of wisdom. You've talked about your book. We've talked about your life. We've talked about your personality. So just in any of this podcast, uh, if there is one word, just one very simple word that you like to share that will relate not just to Nigeria, not just to black, but to the entire wealth creating, to the entire wealth, you know, uh, 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 entrepreneurs who are aspiring that, you know, what well, we are ordinary and how can we transition to become extraordinary and build wealth? What would that one word be? Well, the, the one word will be um, nothing good comes out of poverty. Nothing good. Um, poverty breeds crime, hate, war, evil, sickness. Um, some of the most freest minds in the world are wealthy people. Some of the most flexible people in the world are wealthy people. Mm. You know, due to the fact that they have different clients who have, you know, different backgrounds. Some of the most tolerant people in the world are black people, are wealthy people. Um, I, as a businessman, for example, have Muslims as my customers, Christians as my customers, have people from all backgrounds. So there's just no way, you know, I, I, I can just not be a free thinker. And so anything evil comes out of poverty. Nothing good comes out of poverty. And so please go get wealth because as of comes a lot of good. Fantastic. See, listen, you heard it from Dr. Stephen Akintyre already. He says nothing good comes out of being broke. 
being poor. Go out, stretch yourself, get out of your comfort zone. If he can go from, I love the word Rick Ross said during the tennis conference. He said, from the mob, from the, from, from the mod to the mabos. It means that from an ordinary guy, all right, no father's name to success, but you have actually gone out to creating yourself and becoming success. And they say, listen, you may be born poor, but let wealth be born out of you. And you've actually shown that, you know, th that anyone is able to do that. Wealth has actually been bettered by you. Your generations that has began from your roots personally would never, ever know what poverty truly, truly is. So I really want to say thank you so much for those kind words, for this kind of advice. And again, you're a very, very busy man. Right now you're in America. We had an opportunity at breakfast together, you know, in London. And, and here you're, you are again, having a chat and sharing your knowledge sharing your own real life experiences. So I'm looking forward to seeing you again. I'm looking forward to working with you. And also, if you don't mind, if you just very, very quickly, I know you've got a tour coming through uh, with Grand Codon at the moment. So if you want to very quickly touch a little bit on light on that so that people, whether it's in the UK, whether it's going to be any, I know it's a tour. So it's Arab, there is America, there's UK, there's Europe, there's Nigeria. How can people go and actually key into that event? Beautiful. So they can just send uh, a mail. Um, I know by the time this is out, uh, most likely um, the website will be up, which is www.globalwealthfestival.com. www.globalwealthfestival.com. But uh, the site isn't up yet, but that's the site. But they could send a mail to uh, sales at global. Um, wealthfestival.com global hello at globalwealthfestival.com so they could do that right away and we're going to reach out to them fantastic what about your social media handle as well you could shoot me at dr s akintayo facebook um twitter um linkedin tiktok i'm big now on tiktok instagram um i'm having some challenge with my instagram account but you will see um, um, Dr. Stephen Akintyre fan page. You can temporarily join that. And as soon as I have my Instagram back up, you can join it also at Dr. S. Akintyre as well. Wow, wow, wow. That was an amazing, amazing interview with Dr. Stephen Akintyre, a multi billionaire in Nigeria, in Naira, and a billionaire in dollars. Someone who's done amazing, amazing, amazing things. Uh, um, in building himself up from zero to to becoming one of the most influential property investor in Africa. So guys, uh, make sure uh, you, 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 you share this episode with a friend of a friend. Don't forget, we've got our Wealth Summit coming up in November and I'm sure Dr. Kintero will be one of our guests and uh, as well as John Mallott all the way from the US will be one of our guests as well. So we can't wait to really bring you so much information that can help you transition from honorary to become an extraordinary. See you soon. It's Dr. Daniel Moses. <laughs>